0: Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app, or by email at greenathoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. I know I have been MIA for a little bit, Um, Actually, a few months, but if you're listening to this podcast, I extend my gratitude. Uh, I always um, want to come full force and be prepared, and sometimes it's better to be a self-starter and just go for it, but I like prepping um, for my podcast episodes, as you know. They are pretty detailed, and uh, most of the ones that I've done... um, over 150 episodes, I've done almost 300 episodes as of this podcast episode, um, they, you know, really range in length, and some of them are almost an hour long, so, um, I want to get back into the swing of things, I missed you all, missed my listeners, I missed just, you know, giving you amazing information, but like, you know, hearing your voice message comments, and your reviews, and, Just getting back in the swing of things really peps me up, and I love doing this. Um, I do wish I could do it uh, even more, so um, I used to do it twice a week, and I still want to be on that kind of schedule um, Sundays and Thursdays. And probably um, if I do start uh, kickstarting more episodes like usual, I think that I'll be able to... um, get back to where I was, especially with pushing out um, amazing episodes. They're really fun, um, even though some of them are time-consuming, but I love it. It's worth it, and I want to thank you again, always, for listening. So many good uh, topics to cover, and one of the latest ones um, is a bit different. Um, I wanted to switch up um, and keep it research-based, but I'm just going to be talking about water, um, access and uh, gender equality, uh, uh, not so much gender inequalities, um, but keeping it um, very much uh, centered, centered on those topics. But I want to jump into our first uh, segment up, which is headlines from the hemispheres, as you know, or if you're new to the Greener Thoughts program, it's where I cover a briefing. Uh, In five minutes or less, uh, environmental news globally. So the first topic is Big Oil. So Big Oil's flagship plastic waste project sinks in the Ganges. And Reuters.com had this piece. It's out of both Singapore and Varanasi, India. So it talks about mainly the Singaporean Nonprofit Alliance, Uh, the Alliance to End Plastic Waste, which was founded back in 2019 by the big oil corporations of the world, Uh, some of them you may know by name, such as Chevron and ExxonMobil, among others, and how they failed in their mission uh, when it comes to ending plastic waste. They had backed uh, the nonprofit and the alliance and this other organization called Renew Oceans, they were focused on building and were trying to uh, upscale their state-of-the-art uh, tech to do a number of things, mainly to collect and recycle plastic waste, to reverse uh, vending machines. In other words, uh, have a plastic litter uh, being exchanged for vouchers that could be used for things such as taxi rides and groceries, and then also uh, pyrolysis uh devices that would turn plastic trash into diesel now those prototypes they were failures at collecting waste in Varanasi in India they were regularly inoperable and had many tech issues Uh, the next um, topic is about this uh, activist group that was recently taken to court more than a thousand Extinction Rebellion activists taking the court and The Guardian reports on that and this the stories out of the UK. It was one of the biggest crackdowns ever uh, in UK history. One of the uh, biggest uh, environmental protests regarding uh, Extinction Rebellion known as XR. And over the past few years, they've made a name for themselves Uh, mainly calling attention to climate extremes that our planet is going through, ecological emergency, and the demanding of government action. And then last but not least is the indigenous um, group out of Peru. Now they're being threatened um, very severely by a few things. So indigenous uh, Caca Tabo of Peru threatened by land grabbing and drug trade And mangabay.com had that headline. It's all uh, things news and inspiration from Nature's Frontline. And again, this story is out of Peru. Uh, And so the residents and those who live in Peru, the Peruvians, they have experienced outsiders. Those who aren't from there um, invading their lands, causing deforestation, intimidation threats, and even murder attempts, and so much more, all to grow cocaine uh, on their lands. Satellite data from the University of Maryland, right in my backyard, not literally, but I'm out of Maryland, they uh, had uh, collected research and they visualized uh, with maps from uh, Global Forest Watch. They had recorded uh, over 2,500 deforestation alerts. In Santa Martha, between January and October, 2020. So this topic we're going to dive into, uh, not literally, um, because there's no water. But if we could, uh, we would see, you know, a pool of water, um, not for the taking. But in which we would relax in, uh, be grateful to have, because there are places on the, in the world are suffering with uh, many droughts um, that affect their regions, their um, food supply, their animals, um, you know, human populations, uh, building a family. It's difficult if you don't have water, you don't know where your next meal is coming from, etc. And so, um, you know, the source. Of the news is, is mainly from fizz.org. Um, I love that site. Um, it's powerful for all of its news articles. All of them are free, friendly, um, very much in-depth and they uh, cite their sources which is great and um, sometimes the sources will lead you to other scholarly sources, uh, journals where you can click and download um, articles of your choosing. And so it's a great uh, website, a great source for all things news in many, many different topics. Uh, this uh, episode, I think, is really um, impactful because um, we're going to look at how other parts of the world, um, you know, how they fight for and how they struggle with um, some of the basic necessities of life. Water. Um, I don't do a ton of podcast episodes about water. But it is a um, a human uh, right. It is um, very much important to you know all those animals and plants. Plants need water. Humans we need water. Um, you know, but how can we um, make sure it stays um, you know drinkable, accessible, free? Um, you know, falling from the sky and not you know taxed or something. Um, how do we, uh, make sure and ensure there aren't water wars in our future? How do we, um, prepare for, um, scarcity if there is ever water scarcity in our future? You know, population growth is a, um, phenomenon that's slowly creeping up on us, um, as as humans. We are aware of this, um, by 2050 we have to worry about how many more people are going to be on our planet 9 billion is it going to be more than 9 billion? we don't know how are, how are 9 billion people going to drink uh, all the uh, accessible uh, clean water that we have and how, is, how are we going to uh, utilize maybe other sources um, You know, consider water conservation um, water recycling so many other things so I want to uh, get us on the track of looking at um, what fresh available water sources mean and specifically in places where um, they may be hard to obtain and why, and some of the resources later of how you can support um, water education programs and organizations. There's so many out there. I tried to um, find some of the best ones and put them all in one place. So, for all those who are interested in love, um, protecting water, water resources, want to share some information, this is a podcast episode for you. So, there are many um, different previous studies that have talked about and have, have explored uh, water fetching um, and how draining and mentally and physically exhausting it is um, because piped water at home is not. Um, always readily there. Piped water is convenient. Piped water um, is known to uh, increase, you know, well-being, uh, you know, uh, up and increase the livelihoods of uh, those in neighborhoods. Whole communities um, are able to take care of themselves, have hygiene, um, survive and, and thrive because they have water readily there. Um, and it also increases food production, you know tends to pets make sure they're safe, uh, alive, and thriving, um, and decreases infectious uh, diseases from spreading, having clean and drinkable water. Um, but in places such as uh, sub Saharan Africa, for example, pipe water installations haven't really increased by much since 2007 about two percent. Um, But as we know, water is extremely crucial for life. I can't stress this enough. And it's really fundamental um, for building blocks of life. Um, And especially with women and girls in rural areas, not just in sub-Saharan Africa, everywhere. You know, places like Cambodia, places like uh, Uganda, Egypt, um, Brazil, other places that are, are also stressing um, about their water, um, and, and, where they're getting it from, which I'll talk about a little bit later, uh, the term water stress, which, um, you know, is affecting many different countries and will definitely by the year 2050 as well, um, and so there's some statistics on that, which are pretty helpful, especially if you live in any of those, uh, water stressed countries, and, uh, it will give you something to consider, So there's some new research on piped water, which I didn't know was an actual uh, category of study. So piped water um, isn't always readily available in every place, um, country, region, area, um, uh, community. But a new Stanford study, they were um, looking at how uh, bringing piped water to remote uh, households, uh, family homes um, in Zambia how these improved the life of the women and girls that were there how it lifted them um, into a uh, financial um, ambience and uh, better um, uh, Mobility as far as socially and just thriving uh, economically because they're able to secure food um, you know have um, uh, livelihoods that um, are better for themselves Uh, You know, if you have access to water, you're able to take care of yourself, to bathe, to cook, um, to grow plants, to sell those plants, um, crops, etc. So you're making uh, money for yourself, and it's all because of something as necessary as needed as water, for example. Um, And you're able to take care of the households because of uh, that and keep their well-being together and to to thrive and be strong because of uh, something as needed as basic but as very important as water. So the research um, out of the Stanford study uh, was published in the journal Social Science and Medicine. And uh, the research, it does believe that governments and NGOs and uh, non-governmental organizations, they can use the costs and benefits of pipe water to uh, create accessible communal uh, water sources for different communities, which makes sense. Um, you always have to weigh the costs and benefits of something. And for them, uh, they figured that, um, looking at pipe water uh, would make the most sense, especially if you're looking at it from, um, not just an economical standpoint, but a bettering a community, uh, socially, um, culturally, um, water is is very important in many cultures around the world. Um, you know, there are whole water festivals, um, dedicated, um, to, um, you know, the, the water that is, is brought to our community by rivers and lakes and such. Um, so when it comes to um, investing resources, uh, high quality uh, piped water resources um, that uh, come to rural households, for example, uh, more efficient and safe routes um, or routes uh, need to be carved and maintained and made. So that drinking water is available for everyone, so um, it needs to be safe uh, to have and co- to construct these piped water uh, avenues and um, and projects to these rural households. You know, they, these projects need to be maintained, um, and so um, you know that's something to uh, consider, and I I think that that's important as well. It's really important to to look at the piped water into where it's coming from and to where it can go I think that if uh, more uh, companies I wouldn't say corporations uh, which essentially are companies but they're a different form um, with the different tiers um, if they focused on instead of all the different water projects community building is important, but if they focus more on installing and having uh, piped water uh, sources and uh, infrastructure um, in rural households, that would be such a step up, a level up for them. Um, It would ensure safety, wellness, protection um, because it's clean, uh, drinkable, uh, viable water. Um, So, about the water. That's our next uh, point. What, uh, from what standpoint did the researchers want to um, examine when it comes to the water? Well, they wanted to look at many different things when it comes to the collection of the water um, of the women, of the girls, of the young adults, etc. Um, So it comes from the different um, uh, points that they examined. Time savings. How much time is being saved because there is um, portable, uh, clean, uh, piped water uh, coming into those households? Um, The economic opportunity that is expanded because those households have piped, clean water. And the nutritional security. So many things because of the ability to have that reliable, um, easy-to-attain water, which is, you know, sometimes new some of these families some of these families have never seen uh clean readily accessible um you know pennies on the dollar if they paid anything um, which they you know probably didn't water um so how uh, was this uh, research uh captivated and looked at well there was a few things going on so again in zambia uh, it was in the southern province that this took place in four different uh, rural villages that um, had similar populations, uh, had access to school markets, healthcare facilities, hospitals, you name it. They had uh, some of the same amenities. Um, but 50% through the study, um, two of the villages, they received pipe water to their yards directly, Uh, thus reducing the distance that they had to go out and find water by 49 feet. Uh, But each village, they were surveyed at the beginning, middle, and the end of the study. And the Zambian interviewers, they conducted a total of 434 household surveys. So, small sample size, very, very small. Uh, when, When it comes to the information, they collected many things including, again, the time spent that was, f- uh, fetching water, uh, that mound that was used for activities or tasks such as cooking and cleaning, uh, the productiveness, um, of which the water was to be used, whether it be watering gardens or animal hus- uh, husbandry, brick making, um, other work tasks, and how often, uh, was, uh, how often were these activities being done? How often were uh, gardens being watered? How often uh, was um, cooking um, the task of the day, etc. Um, And many of the uh, female uh, respondents uh, of the research, they wore GPS tracking just to calculate their uh, walking distances and speeds to get to their water sources. And then... The water meters uh, were used to verify actual water consumption. Now, last but not least, when we're looking at this research is about where the time goes. So what happens, um, how often uh, is um, time being spent or saved um, from collecting water versus um, having that water piped in? Well, the researchers, they found um, a few different uh, conclusions from the research, mainly that uh, researchers the researchers found that the households with piped water spent 80% less time fetching the water. That means to them, about four hours are saved per week. That's a lot of time. And so, you know, this confirms one of the many benefits um, of water being piped in. They were able to, um, you know, stay at home and contribute uh, to the household with uh, all the chores that they have been doing uh, whether it be gardening whether it be pottery whether it be um, cooking um, so many things selling outside the home uh, whether it be things like fried buns charcoal so many things again i had i mentioned earlier about using that water to um you know plant and grow crops which are then sold that's a that's a um a a benefit, a cost benefit um, from having that water, that savings that they have. uh, And they're happier, they're healthier, um, and they're not tied down and boggled and um, stressed about trying to uh, get out and find water sources, clean water sources for themselves and their families, for their kids. Um, That's a big takeaway from this research, piped water matters. And it's really important and the researchers they wanted to also point out uh, that uh, having piped water um, near homes uh, and other places in Zambia could save uh, the overall rural um, household 32 hours per month uh, which is almost twice the amount of time recouped by households in that same instance There are many uh different points that I wanted to uh, address uh, the research was phenomenal um however, but I did want to um address different points i guess when I consider um the undertaking of projects specifically about water um some may say it's a utility um some believe it's a right. I believe it's a right, it's needed. It's a must regardless of anything if you don't have water you don't survive you don't live um, same with thing with our planet if we don't have our planet we're not here anymore um, we're trying to trust the importance um, of being planet friendly um, of you know more often than not putting the planet first because it matters um, but uh, when it comes to something like water um, it's essential it is needed uh, and so, one of the first things when I thought of uh, when it came to uh thinking about the topic of piped water in rural communities um in the countries that need infrastructure badly um i I still thought about like foreign aid, which wasn't really mentioned um in the research, but how would these uh piped water systems be able to be in places? in countries like Zambia, for example, um, is foreign aid uh, needed in mass? Who's going to pay for it? Um, you know, I'd be willing to have my taxpayer dollars going directly to that instead of the military, which takes almost $800 billion, um, in, uh, taxpayer money in the U S, um, to run itself. Um, I know that I did search, um, via the fiscal year 2020 um, stats when it came to the U.S. aid um, organization, they provided $450 million to support water, sanitation, and hygiene uh, activities, as they call them, wash uh, activities, in 41 countries. So that's a start. Like, if my taxpayer uh, monies is funding the U.S. aid Uh, government agency, which ensures that those 41 countries are able to have water. I support it. I'm all for it. Keep on doing it. I I highly endorse this. Um, And on those, um, the stats when it comes to those 41 countries, there is this report, the uh, WASH report. So I'll link it um, in the show notes. And on page 31 is the listing of the 41 countries And here are some statistics you may uh, want to um, be familiar with when it comes to uh, the USAID and their monies that were spent. So uh, as a result, they mobilized more than actually $216 million uh, outside of U.S. taxpayer funding. It's funny that I just mentioned taxpayer money and they happened to um, utilize $216 million outside of taxpayer funding, which is good. Um, So, the USAID, uh, they strengthened uh, 289 uh, water and sanitation institutions, and 3.9 million people were able to gain access to sustainable water service, and about 68% of those were able to gain access for the first time, which is a big kudo moment. And 4.1 million people gained access to to sustainable uh, sanitation service with 90% of those being able to gain it for the first time, which is pretty cool. And uh, also the many women and girls, about 51% um, have gained access to sustainable and water sanitation services. So again, I will link the USAID Fiscal Year 2020 Global Water and Development Report. And again, you should check out uh, the pages there. And also the PDF uh, USAID, USAID stats with the infographic page, which is pretty handy. Um, I also wanted to um, explore a little bit of um, the role that water organizations uh, may be um, playing when it comes to helping or hindering different uh, foreign nations' access uh, to water. Um, We know that there is the phrase saviorism. And some might say also white saviorism, um, which is the pattern of, um, you know, viewing and and, uh, those um, who are white, who are essentially rescuing the people in these marginalized communities. um, Some would say disenfranchised communities who don't have the ability um, to make it um, when it comes to this infrastructure and uh, building uh, these water facilities for themselves. Now, um, that's problematic and in many ways, um, and that's something to be addressed. In fact, when I um, was applying uh, to the Peace Corps missions, this was back in 2015, so some time ago, actually three days after my birthday in 2015, I did get the rejection email and I thought, okay, maybe it's okay that, you know, I get, you know, maybe rejected from the Fiji Um, Peace Corps' mission that I wanted to go to. I love traveling and I'm not afraid to do that. And I thought, you know what? It's okay. There are better um, uh, opportunities uh, on the horizon. And, um, you know, maybe going into um, not just, you know, do my part, because it's not about, you know, doing my part, wanting to uh, help the communities there. Um, sometimes that can do more harm than good. Um, You know, you may think, oh, I'm just helping them and just saving them, giving them a leg up. Well, sometimes, you know, giving a leg up um, ends up not giving anyone a leg to stand on uh, in the long run. Because you can help and help into oblivion and who you're helping still doesn't get it. They still are enabled by you. They still don't have the tools that you have because you know everything and you're stepping in and encroaching on their space when maybe you could partner up with them and, and learn from them, see what they've done to ensure maybe they have better water wells, but maybe they're, mo- they're not the most high tech and you can partner up and you learn from them. They learn from you. And so it's not saviorism at that point. It's uh, partnership. It's community building. It's strengthening, um, uh, yourself It's strengthening relationships. Um, you know, a lot of the times when, uh, I think we want to do so much good and, and, and try to help where we, where we think, uh, a aid needs to be put, um, a scab is already there. A scab is already formed and the people are resilient. And so, uh, they know how to take care of themselves. They may need a little bit of, um, TLC and, and some care, but they don't need, all the heavy lifting and everything done for them. They just need a little bit of partnership, a little bit of guidance, but not let's go in and save, um, save them. Let's go in and, um, see what we can get. Let's go in and, um, take over. They don't need that. And I think that's one of the uh, messages, many messages that I uh, gained, um, from even applying for Peace Corps, but also uh, when I was interested a little bit more recently in um, doing a bit more humanitarian work and volunteer work, um, I had looked at this video. So within the past few years, um, and it's called, I Was a Humanitarian and I Regret It. And it's got 3.1 million views and I watched it and um, it's a really uh, deep uh, statement on, you know, one young millennial's um, view of uh, humanitarian action and helping people, but also hindering them because he was trying to help them. Um, and so, if you'd like, you can definitely go ahead and check out that video again. Uh, it is a pretty powerful one, um, it'll make you think and reconsider your stance on things like humanitarianism and doing projects overseas and things like that. Um, there are different organizations to watch out for. Um, I wouldn't say watch out, uh, into, you know, a a bad lane, but, um, there are organizations, um, that have been doing the work for a long time. And so you want to do your due diligence when it comes to checking them out. I mean, I've, Collected a, a few different resources and I hope you do check them out. But places like Water.org, um, sometimes I I think of them and sure they're these you know celebrities and they've been helping you know millions um you know access clean water and to have um the pipes built or the wells built and to have these micro f- seed the micro funding loans um to build better communities and to have uh toilets and wells. Um but I don't hear those countries um saying, you know, they have the the top of the line facilities because of him helping them. Um and so that's, you know, pretty um sad when you think about it. I mean, his work has expanded um places, so many places in Asia, the continent of Africa, Latin America, the Caribbean. Um, you know, but there are still places in those regions um that are suffering and so again they have to do the work um and of course um we can support from afar or partner um but not going in and doing the work for them um there are other places um like for example mia water it's a global corporation these uh companies that own privately uh owned water um sources they are everywhere And I want to tell you about Mia Water, because I didn't know about it until I started researching for this podcast episode. And let me tell you, they have 200 projects globally. uh, And a lot of their projects are out of different countries, which I'll name a few, out of uh, Botswana, the Bahamas, Jamaica, Canada, Spain, uh, Brazil, Portugal, Angola, the Philippines, and also South Africa. Now, I went and connected the dots a little bit. And when I talked about water stress earlier, well, there is the WRI's Aqueduct Project, which is the World Resources Institute, which um, is a world-renowned institute organization. Um, And so they really um, highlighted the fact um, that, yes, there are many countries, um, 150 countries, Uh, From what I uh, recall, there are going to be water stressed again in the next 50 years. So about by 2050 or so, um, if not later. So all those countries I just named that, for example, Maya Water, the Globe Corporation, they own uh, water privately. They are tapping into those countries and all those countries are affected by water stress on some level from low stress to high stress. Uh, so, I'll just name the countries and their uh, water stress um, level. So, Botswana, they're going to be low to medium stress um, by the year 2050. Uh, the Bahamas is going to be high stress, probably. It wasn't, the Caribbean uh, area region wasn't really identified on the map, which was strange. Um, kind of like how Madagascar isn't always tied to um, the African continent. Some maps just don't get it right, but again, uh, WRI, they really put a lot of uh, thought in um, focusing on their map. And so maybe um, they just wanted to lump it in with North America. Not sure, but again, the Bahamas, a lot of that area between um, the US and Mexico and Latin America it was already um, high stressed anyway. So um, the next country was Jamaica. And they had high stress. Um, Canada has low to medium water stress. Spain has high water stress. Brazil has low stress, about less than 10%. Portugal has high water stress. Angola has low to medium water stress. The Philippines has high water stress. South Africa has high water stress. And again, I will uh, link the wri's uh, report you can check out the infographic for yourself as well and it will talk about the 36 most water stressed countries and uh, give you lots to ponder um you know i think that um, countries that need the infrastructure a long term uh, i think that and i know that um, other bigger uh, more developed countries should um, I wouldn't say keep enabling uh, the more uh, developing countries of the world, but we can support them. Um, it doesn't have to be monetarily because, um, you know, you, you know, you don't see, um, you know, a country uh, become wealthy or self-sufficient by continuing to take in aid. It just doesn't happen. Uh, Countries can be taking aid for decades, almost a century, and they're being enabled. And and if they're not using that money for good or to take care of themselves and to strengthen their own economies, it's not going to the right hands and, and being planned accordingly. And that's a problem. And so I think short term solutions, they may help. And again, partnering and giving tools and support and then exiting and giving those countries the support that they need. For example, uh water stress country uh in uh in, you know about thirty so years, um, etc. by twenty fifty. If for example the Philippines needed um cl- cleaner water, um better technology, needed more wells, needed uh the infrastructure of toilets, uh more readily across uh, the country, countryside, rural areas, um neighboring countries maybe. That you know know the language, uh, that uh, or not know the language, but, but maybe um, are in the same uh, uh, cultural similarities in some ways. I mean, other Asian countries, um, if um, you know they know the landscape, um, you know the similar climates maybe um, to the Philippines, um, if they know the political uh, geo, geo um, political arena. Um, when trying to take over not take over, but when trying to um work and partner with the Philippines when it comes to building uh, those things um I think they'd have a higher success rate than if you know a um, you know European country or english speaking country such as the u s were to come in to the uh, Philippines and to direct and to throw money um at the building of wells and, uh, toilets and, uh, teaching and so many other things. Just have, um, support for a limited amount of time to the Filipino people. Um, and then exit, give them tools, give them support, see what their ideas are, how they can help themselves, how you can maybe aid a little bit, you know, as a friend from afar and then exit, you know, not having them rely on that money, uh, the monetary aid, et cetera, for years and years to come. I think that's a better solution and has, you know, maybe a better success rate, uh, than other methods. Um, and the last thing I want to do is talk about, um, that yes, maybe, you know, piped water infrastructure has higher upfront costs, but that shouldn't discourage governments and NGOs from investing in the people, in the communities. Um, that's what money uh, that is um, paid as taxes. We expect um, projects to be funded. We expect uh, the best education possible um, for, you know, our our families, for our little ones, for whomever you hold dear. Um, you know, your nieces and nephews, you expect to be protected. You'll have that military support. And you would want clean, uh, safe water. Um, and to have a little money go far just so that someone else on the other side of the world can have clean water so they can give that water to their babies, so that they can drink that water to you know survive those hot, sunny days and work and save and retire and not live in squander or in filth or in poverty. You know, I think that goes a long way just to pay a little bit more to help someone else. Don't know that so they can live the dream, you know, which is to thrive, which is to be healthy, to do good, to live good, and to ensure a prosperous future for themselves and/or their families. I think everyone can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. The Mother Earth Minute is where we have come to, it's where I review in the next few minutes proactive things that we can all do to combat the issue in the episode, and as always to protect Mother Earth. There is a really cool fact I think I want to share, and then I'm going to get to the resources, which is one of the best parts, Um, and we actually get to do something, and share quick water fact is that since 2008 usaid has helped 59.5 million people gain sustainable access to water services and 44.6 million people gain sustainable access to sanitation services that's a lot of people Uh, i know that uh, information like this uh, in one place is great to have um, I know personally, I love being able to uh, get information sourced in one place because bookmarking a zillion pages is not always fun, Um, you know, because links expire, um, pages break down, um, you may want to write resources, you can always do that as well. Um, And I think with these different organizations, all of them adjust water. Um, in similar ways, but each organization is unique, and there are 15 water organizations that I want to list to you. Uh, so you know, take your choosing. Uh, many of these organizations are either uh, focused on uh, water projects. Um, there's donate donating. There's traveling to these different uh, places, um, these uh, places that have uh, real difficulties. Getting water, drought um, uh, enabled, not enabled, but uh, countries uh, that have um, poor water quality are having and struggling with droughts. Um, so, if you are focused on conservation, conserving what's already there, protecting it, if you're focused on advocacy, if you're focused on volunteering, If your focus is education in supporting um, organizations if you're someone who wants to fundraise or you want to um, build uh, in one of these countries maybe um, one of these sites one of these resources is for you so I'm gonna just dive in and love to get to it so um, there are a few organizations so charity uh, water.org is one of the first ones. Again, that's charitywater.org. There's also water.org, which I mentioned earlier. There's also www.bloodwater.org. That's an organization I never heard of. But yes, if you go to bloodwater.org, you will find it. There's also wateraid.org. Um, it's another water organization. There's WaterLex like lex Luther, lex it's waterlex.org there's drop in the bucket at uh, dropinthebucket.org and also there's hto h2o for life that's at the website www.h the number 2 and then o for as in the word for lifeschools.org. There's splash.org there's SaveTheWater.org. There's also SkyJuice Foundation, which I thought it has the cutest name, SkyJuice. Uh, SkyJuice.org is the website. WaterisLife.com. That statement couldn't be more true. Uh, the Water Project is the other uh, organization uh, in this amazing list. TheWaterProject.org is the website. Uh, Water for People is another organization uh, just as impactful. Um, And then you have lifewater.org. Now the organization is called uh, Life uh, Water International. And then there's also Thirst Project. uh, That claims to be the world's leading youth water activism org. And ironically, it's by Hiram Yarbrough, who's the co-founder of Selfless by Harm. He's also the same curator who uh, did the video I mentioned uh, entitled I Was a Humanitarian and I Regret It. And that's from his 2020 video that I had uh, mentioned again that he did on YouTube and uh, the lessons learned from there. And then last but not least, there are seven different water education websites. Now these are specific either because they're about funds and information mainly, or be councils, or institutes, or educational centers. Either way, these are very powerful resources. Resources uh, for those who also are, are interested in water, but from more of a um, academic and research-based lens. So there's water. There's World Water Council at www.worldwatercouncil.org. There is Clean Water Fund at www.cleanwaterfund.org There's Clean Water Action at the website www.cleanwateraction.org There's Project WET at www.projectwet.org There's Columbia Water Center at water.columbia.edu There's Pacific Institute at pacinst.org And then last but not least, there's Water Projects Online at the website waterprojectsonline.com. The eco-fact of the day is that 11 Tasmanian devils have been reintroduced to mainland Australia more than 3,000 years after they died out there. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine In the January, February, 2021 issue, we have arrived at the Eco Company Spotlight. It's where I take the time out to review all types of environmental. And services, all types of different ones. Uh, From the big and the small, from big corporations, um, mostly benefit corporations, um, which help you and the planet at the same time uh, while ensuring full transparency and accountability. Uh, But also the mom and pop stores of the world, local, uh, in my backyard uh, projects and businesses. all types of different products, and sometimes services, you know, different apps, for example, um, you know, different beauty products from uh, perfumes and also snack items to other things such as accessories um, and clothing items. So I have done a bit of reviewing of different uh, products, and I always welcome suggestions, Tips um, when it comes to uh, finding those amazing companies out there um, that I have not heard of. I always welcome it by voice message or email. Anyone is welcome to share. One of my new favorite companies when it comes to socks, especially, is Soulmate Socks, and I cannot wait to tell you about the goodness of them. They're amazing. They're a family-owned business that has created a lane for itself by using their mismatched socks with a sustainable twist. They're fun for the whole family. You can wear Soulmate socks guilt-free and with cool sock features such as unique designs, 100% recycled cotton, reinforced heels, and mid-weight yarn. You can trust the quality, the feel, and the warmth of Soulmate socks. Get a pair today you will not regret it. They are amazing. Um, they have uh, amazing commitment to sustainability. Um, I believe they are, first of all, a B Corp, which I didn't mention what a B Corp is. B Corps are great. They are amazing. They put um, the planet first and you um, simultaneously, mainly the planet, um, which is a good thing, but they're also keeping you in mind. They also keep... Um, you in mind and you safe. Um, they consider so many different factors. There's the rating system, there's a the scoring, um, and there's also full tr- transparency um, when it comes to the different reports and how they're graded. Um, and they have to maintain um, that B Corp status um, to be on this amazing public list. Um, so many different things that could go into when it comes to B Corp's. But just know that Soulmate Socks is a registered B Corp. Uh, Number two is that uh, it is American Sustainable Business Council approved. Number three is that their shipping packaging is recyclable, at least from when I ordered them on earthhero.com. Great stuff. I love that. Can't get enough. Uh, Number four is that they have sustainable manufacturing uh, it comes to the making of their socks and their products so it's either via by solar power wind power or even hydropower they get it done number five is that they are global recycling standard certified and also okio um, uh, text certified number six is that uh, the products are made from recycled pet fabric recycled cotton and upcycle cotton and at number seven is that their socks are made domestically in the usa so at least here from my perspective it has a reduced carbon footprint especially when it comes to shipping within the u.s versus abroad and there are some stats i found on the soul make socks uh, website they save 324 gallons of water uh, their socks every pair uh, saves that much they, their uh, socks every pair saves 2.24 pounds of CO2 emissions from escaping into our atmosphere, and every soulmate, every soulmate sock uh, saves 2.64 square feet of landfill space. This is according to this, their sustainability sustainability page um, information on their website. Now the product selection of soulmate socks. Kind of varies. Mainly they're known and famous for their socks. Uh, They have adult socks, kid socks, and other different styles of their socks. They have them in uh, crew uh, style length. Uh, They have ankle socks, knee socks, and so many more. And they also have accessories such as beanie scarves and a cup cozy. But they don't have too many accessories. They're, again, mainly known for their socks. Now, um, my experience of Soulmate's socks has been a great one. I know that i spent a little bit of money on their socks, not going crazy. I bought two pairs. I want to buy more in the future. Um, I know, for one thing, their socks are not going to get holy anytime soon. They're the thickest socks I think I've ever had, in a good way. Um, they're one of the best. And I'm not saying thick just in um, material, but that's you know one of the main characteristics of a thick sock. But it's, it's thick. It's not extremely stuffy or cumbersome to walk in or uh, having on your feet. Um, it's sturdy and stable. They're not um, thick socks that will just slip around and are you know, totally slippery. Um, the price point for the socks is $22 um, U.S. currency on their website, but they're $12 on sale, so depending on the style of the sock that you get, it's $12 on sale. And then it's $19.99 uh, U.S. dollars on their, their website, uh, EarthHero.com. It's a place where you can buy all types of sustainable goodies. Um, their socks, for me, are completely comfortable. I do love them. No um, you know, hanging threads, quality is top-notch. Very comfortable, beautiful styles, eco-friendly materials. I love it. Packaging. Uh, I I don't even just know if it was from Earth Hero, but I love that all the packaging you know, from the cardboard to the um, you know squiggly recycled paper um, uh, bits that were in there. It just really comes together from Earth Hero. I love the packaging entirely. Um, the uh, socks are easily washable um they won't you know tear apart um when washing you can also hand wash them if you so desire um you can air dry them or use the dryer there isn't really much shrinking which is a really good thing because you want your uh socks to last throughout the years if not a few decades um and they come from resourceful materials i love the recycled cotton um cotton is um by many estimates, especially beer research, it's a it's a taxing uh commodity, it's a taxing crop um to grow, um, and to have matured. So when you can recycle it instead of having it be uh, become wasted, um, or disposed of improperly, um, etc., like recycling cotton is big. So the fact that soul made socks is doing their part is um, a big kudos, um, I think on their part. Um, and also their socks are made in the U.S., which I mentioned, and from a lot of different materials, um, which is good, like, um, recycled cotton, recycled polyester, and other, uh, recycled materials too, but mainly those other three that I mentioned. Um, and so that makes them truly sustainable. They are a wonderful B Corp. They are great when it comes to keeping you safe and warm. Uh, I love it um, when I wear their socks either in chilly or cold weather. Rainy weather does the job. Winter weather is a must. Whether you have the socks inside or outside, they're great. Um, And they're perfect as a gift. Their um, price point is great. It's not going to truly break the bank. It's about, you know, the same purchase of a reasonable uh, combo meal, you probably have at a restaurant um, or maybe a good book so I think this investment is worth it and again these socks will last you a long time they're a perfect gift I love them the uh, detailed tag has every bit of information you need on them I give them five out of five totally green thumbs up soulmate socks products can be found mainly through their uh, store Located listed on their website www.soulmatesocks.com. That's S-O-L-M-A-T-E socks S-O-C-K-S dot com, and on other uh, stores uh, on their different storefronts like Amazon.com, for example, or EarthHero.com. Soulmate socks can be found on various social media uh, platforms that they have going on, such as Facebook. You can check them out uh, at Soulmate. There's also Instagram at Soulmate Socks. There's Instagram at Soulmate Socks. And also there's YouTube at Soulmate Socks. To contact Soulmate Socks, visit the Soulmate Socks website and click Contact Us to contact them by phone, email, or filling out their message form. Thank you so so much for tuning in and listening. I appreciate every click, every share, every hey. Have you listened to this? Niall is talking about some good stuff here. I really uh, take it to heart. I extend tons of gratitude, um, even when sometimes I don't keep the episodes coming as I should, and um, you know, life gets in the way. Um I don't wanna let you all down and so, you know, I love um you know, the creation that is a green of thoughts and so I'm gonna always keep trucking on and being the little engine that could and embracing my little Thomas the train engine. Um and, you know, loving this information and sharing it and even learning new things it's all a joy and so I thank you for uh you really looking at this information and wanting to share it and listening to something new listening to something different especially for all the new listeners and the old those have been the tried and trues those that recently just popped on in and want to stay I really do, uh, you know, love, um, you know, getting all the interactions and seeing how it's impacting everyone that happens to listen to this podcast episode and all the others before it and all the ones after it. It really means a lot. Um, I do hope that this podcast episode about water um, has opened your eyes about water conservation of about projects of about piped water that it's a luxury. Um, to many, and it shouldn't be, it'd be great if all the countries of the world, if all the regions uh, within those countries had piped water. It'd be a better world. It'd be a different world. Um, it'd be a world where people wouldn't have to worry about where their water's going to come from. Because it comes from a pipe. And it's there, and they may pay a little, they may pay a lot, they may pay a reasonable amount. But at least they have it. And that's what's most important. Um, I do hope that this episode pushes you to share a little bit more, to learn a little bit more, to discuss some other topics. And um, I appreciate it. Um, uh, any type of support. Um, it all means the world. And I thank you again, as always, for listening. and Be sure to, as always, lastly, please take care, please take care of yourselves um and also please take care of the planet means the world thank you so much take care